when I got the news, I was very disappointed and to be frank, I was angry. So I thought, boy, I hope they catch whoever did this and I hope they throw them under the jail and throw away the key. Nick was a pastor whose church had been vandalized. Little did he know that he would soon be face to face with the man who did the crime, a man named George. Inside me, there was this agony. There was this, I've done wrong. This is not right. I was trying to find a way to make this right. He has broken every chain. So I lift my hands up to the one who saves. Nick Garland's anger and George Aguilar's remorse brought the two men together, and neither one was ever the same again. They're going to share their story on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. We spoke with Nick and George together on Zoom. Nick lives in Oklahoma, George in El Salvador. We're excited for you to hear their real-life example of redemption and forgiveness, which was a common theme in Billy Graham's messages. And God said, because Jesus took the sin... I can forgive you. He took your hell. He took your judgment in your place. You'll hear from the sermon that that comment came from a little later in this episode. Or if you'd like to learn more about forgiveness right now, we got a place where you can visit. It's findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And if you just find it easier to talk to somebody... You can do that, too. We have a prayer line that is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you will find someone to pray with you at 888-388-2683. GPS. God. People. Stories. Nick Garland and George Aguilar are the best of friends today. But they came from very different backgrounds. Nick grew up as a preacher's kid in Tennessee. My dad was a very godly man and an excellent pastor, strong in evangelism and a marvelous shepherd of the sheep. As a teenager, Nick felt God calling him to go into some kind of Christian service when he got older. But he did not want to be a pastor like his dad. The problem was the doors closed on everything Nick pursued that wasn't pastoral ministry. So... At 19, I became a pastor, which was an amazing thing because I really was struggling. And I just said, God, if you can use me, I'll give you my life and I'll quit fighting you. And in that process, God used several things to get me to where I was preaching. And by 19, I was a pastor. And now I just retired in December, having pastored right at 50 years. And can honestly say it was the greatest joy of my life. So what I ran from is what God had for me that really wound up being a great blessing. George's early life looked a lot different than Nick's in every way. I grew up in El Salvador till about 10 years old. When I was uh, three years old, my uh, mom and dad separated. They got divorced. My dad came to the United States. He lived in California for a lot of years. Until uh, I was 10 years old, he came back and basically he fixed my papers so I can be a resident in the United States. So it was uh, 1993. I got the chance to uh, live with him in California for about four years. But George's dad was an alcoholic. And because of that, George moved back to El Salvador to live with his mom for a few years. But she was worried he might get involved with the gangs in their neighborhood. So she sent George back to the U.S. to live with his aunts and uncles in California and then Oklahoma. 
And so that was just kind of the beginning of um, that would lead me to do some things that I was not very proud of. I was just very uh, depressed, confused, felt very alone, though I live with my uncle, though I live with my cousin and my aunt. I was very stressed out. In school, George was years behind where he should have been. So he decided to drop out of school after the eighth grade. He began working and saved up just enough money to move out of his uncle's house. Buddy was soon struggling to get by on his own, and he really didn't have any positive influences in his life. That's when he started making some bad choices, along with his new roommate. One night, I was hearing some noises in his room, and I just got up and uh, went and knocked on his door, and he opened the door, and all of a sudden I saw a bunch of computers they had in his room. Computers and TVs and a bunch of stuff that they stole, and I said to him, where'd you get all this stuff? And he said, we just broke into a church. And so I didn't know what to say at the moment. I just went laid back down and all of a sudden, you know, how the devil starts working. All of a sudden, my mom was like, oh, you know, computers, laptops. I got up again and I said, how can I join in, basically? And basically, they took advantage of that because uh, they, they didn't drive. I had a van. Uh, I was old enough to drive a van. And so in a period of four months, we began to break one church after another. It was four months every night, about one in the morning, two in the morning. We would get in the van and, and uh, dressed in black and uh, with crowbars and, and hammers and stuff, and we'll go breaking churches. George and three other guys stole from over a dozen churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They took laptops, computers, TVs, and anything else they could sell. One of the places where they got a big haul was First Baptist Church in Broken Arrow, which is a suburb of Tulsa. And that's where Nick Garland had been serving as head pastor for almost two decades. The year was 2003. Nick was out of town when he learned that the church's new sanctuary had been broken into. When I got the news, I was very disappointed. And to be frank, I was angry. We'd worked so hard to get there. Been in the building just about three years. And Suddenly, somebody could come in and just trashed it and ripped stuff out of the wall, ripped the monitors out of the wall, wrapped the cords around them, computers out of the wall, and uh, just thrown CDs around like like frisbees, just enough to break them and just have a big time. And it just makes you angry. You think, well, I don't know if they'll ever be caught because you have break-ins all the time. And, and yet, in my heart, I thought, boy, I hope they catch whoever did this, and I hope they throw them under the jail and throw away the key. It wasn't long after that when George was caught police officers raided his apartment and took him into custody. But to his surprise, he was released after confessing to the crime. A few months later, George would end up being arrested again. But in the meantime, something happened that absolutely changed his life. And so during that four-month period where police didn't do anything, you know, somebody could have run away. I didn't run away. Inside me, there was this agony. There was this, I've done wrong. This is not right. I was trying to find a way to make this right. One of George's friends suggested that he write a letter of apology to the churches he had broken into. George decided to do it. When Pastor Nick received the one-page letter, he couldn't believe what he read. And this is the gist. He said, that he, here's, here's the deal. He said, I, I want to apologize for what I did to your church. And he said, Three things, and I'm paraphrasing, but first of all, I said, I know you could never forgive me for what I did. As a pastor, I know that uh, I disappointed God, I've disappointed you, and I'm very sorry. And he said, secondly, I'm sure God could never forgive me because I know that I've disappointed him, and I sure would like him back in my life, but what I've done is really bad. 
The third thing, George wrote, was that he wasn't sure if anyone in the church could ever forgive him. When I got that letter and read those three areas, I don't think you can forgive, God can forgive, the church can forgive. I, I literally turned around in my chair and I, I, I lay flat on the ground, put my nose in the carpet. I just started squalling. I felt the heaviest conviction I'd felt in a long time. It dawned on me, wait a minute, Nick, who are you? Aren't you supposed to be an ambassador? of the kingdom of God and be Christ-like in the way you love people. And I said, dear God, can you ever forgive me? What a sorry example I am of the grace of the mercy and the goodness of God shown to me for what I want you to do to him. Nick asked God to forgive him and take away the anger and hatred he'd felt toward the men who had broken into the church. Nick also really wanted to talk with George face-to-face. A few days later, that happened after George agreed to meet with Nick. I walked in and George's sitting there with his head in his hands, and I said, George, I want you to look at me. And he raised his eyes, and he looked at me, and I said, can you forgive me? And he looked at me like, are you are you crazy? He said, can you forgive me? And I said, I'm asking you because I said, I, I hated you, and I was angry at you for what you did, and I was wrong. And I want to ask you before God, can you forgive me for feeling what I felt toward you for every knew you were, for every read your letter? As you can imagine, George was caught off guard by Nick's apology. I had no idea what Pastor Nick was going to say to me, and I was shocked. I was blown away at the fact that Pastor Nick was saying, will you forgive me? I was like, well, I broke into the church. <laughs> I'm the one that did the damage. Why are you asking for forgiveness? That question gave Nick the perfect opportunity to tell George about God's love and grace. Nick explained that confessing your sins and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ means forgiveness and the chance for a new life now and eternal life in heaven. Then Nick led George in a life-changing prayer. In that moment, George, when he bowed his head and repeated after me, there was just a sweet presence of God in that place. And when we got to the point where I said, I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and give me eternal life. And he prayed that. And I trust you now that you've saved my soul. We prayed that. When he looked up, I said, George, did you just mean what you said? He said, yes, sir. I said, do you believe God forgave you? He said, I really do. He looked like a GE light bulb. He was radiant. He just wanted to embrace me and lead me to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that moment for me was awesome. It was, I'll never forget that. George realized that Nick had forgiven him for the break-in and that through Jesus, God had forgiven him too. Right there in the church office, George began a relationship with Jesus Christ. But there was one more thing to deal with. George still thought the members of the church could never forgive him. Well, Nick decided to give his church the opportunity to do just that. The next Sunday, he announced to the congregation that he'd met the man who broke into their church. And then he read George's letter out loud. And when I got through, I said, that came from a young man. And this week I met him. And I said, this week he gave his life to Christ, so God forgave him. I forgave him, but I said, I told him, I didn't know if you could forgive him or not, but he's here. And so I looked over to my left, and I said, come here, George. And he came from the wings and stood right there at the front. Folks, there he is. This guy did $25,000 worth of damage this church. This guy broke in the church right back there in that window. I said, there he is. You can do with him what you want to. And I turned to walk away, and it looked like a buffalo stampede. Every aisle was filled with people running and saying, I want to be first to hug his neck. I want to be the first to tell him we forgive him. And they lined up and they started squeezing that boy. I felt sorry for him. 
Because, I mean, people were hugging him two and three at a time. He said, I, I just got to do this. He had people having money. He had people want to take him to lunch. He had people wanting to do things for him, get, get him a job. I mean, it was a phenomenal thing. And he didn't do it one hour. We had two hours of worship, so we went through it twice. I have never in my life experienced that kind of love. Even till this day, I experienced that love from, from, from the folks at First Baptist Church. But they were just hugging me, hugging me, hugging me. And they're just, uh, I, I thought that they were going to, you know, come up to me and say, what have you done? Why have you done this? You need to repent. And, and so it, was, it wasn't like that. It was just pure. It was just pure love. They knew exactly that God was a God of mercy. And they showed that to me. And I remember very well when I was, when it was, uh, it was a person that was hugging me. And I looked up. And I was just I had tears in my eyes, and I was looking at Pastor Nick. I remember he had his Bible and he had his arms crossed, and he just had tears in his eyes, and we're just looking at each other. It was it was an unforgettable, an unforgettable moment for me. From that moment on, George was welcomed into the church. One family helped him land a job. Others continued giving him money and food. George started going to Bible studies, learning more about God, and growing in his faith. A few months later, though, George was arrested again for the church break-ins, and he ended up serving a six-month sentence for his crimes. When he got out, things were great. For the next five years, George was living a transformed life. But then, his story took another unexpected turn when he got a visit from U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, better known as ICE. Immigration came and visited me. Even though, and they said to me, even though your, your record has been sponged, you paid all your restitution, you, you went through classes and did all you needed to do, immigration is a completely different department. So they went and they, they arrested me and I entered removal proceedings. So I was going to be removed from the United States. And this was very, very difficult. This was the era that was most difficult to me because, I mean, I started my life with the church, growing in grace. I met so many people. And all of a sudden, I was facing deportation. A federal law about immigrants with certain criminal offenses meant that George could no longer stay in the United States. Nick remembers how hard it was to say goodbye to George. When he was arrested by ICE and they were ready to deport him, I just remember going to see him the last time when he was in the county jail. And I was really down because they were going to be shipping him out of the country. And I know that he was not eager to leave America. He loved it here. But... We'd always talked about George doing missions back in his home country, in his home city. I said, George, I just can't stand the thoughts of you leaving to go back to El Salvador so soon. And George said, Brother Nick, I don't understand. He said, we've been praying for God to use me in missions and send me as a pastor to go and reach my people. And he's opened the door to do that. And you're sad. (laughs) I said, I'm sorry, George, I repent. Go go and be blessed. Going back to his home country was happening sooner than he had expected, but George was ready to make the most of his situation and share the love of Christ in El Salvador. I left everything back in the United States, friends, possessions, family, and all that stuff. I knew that I had brought with me the greatest treasure, and that was Jesus Christ. I felt that I went to the United States, picked up Jesus, and now came back here to my country. I had this deep desire to preach the Word of God. I wasn't a great pastor. I wasn't a great teacher. There was a lot of challenges. But till this very day, I'm still standing over here preaching the Word of God. Nick is more than just a little proud of the way George has handled those challenges. Where George is is not a typical suburb as we think of it in America. It's a very, very difficult place. The soil is very hard soil spiritually. 
in that place, George has reached out and seen many come to know Christ. He has, has given away food to people who are indigent. He's helped people with study and improve themselves in Bible learning. He's baptized a number of people. And so what he's done there is, is absolutely remarkable, and, and we're very proud of him. It truly is amazing to think how God brought Nick and George together and then used their friendship to be a testimony of God's grace and forgiveness. The clothes that I have on my back and the reason that I eat is because a lot of years ago, I broke into a church, found Jesus, became a pastor, and I'm working in the ministry doing what I do, you know, what God has called me to do. And so I just could not imagine that my story will go this far. The story we like to tell when we tell this story, I either started or close it was saying, can I tell you about a really unusual conversion experience about a young man who broke into our church and found Jesus, and he really did. And he's, he was grateful, and we were thrilled. But not at the time he broke in, but we were thrilled much later, and we still rejoice in him. George Aguilar broke into a church and eventually found Jesus. That is just another example that God really can use anything in your life to help you draw closer to him. If you aren't in a relationship with Jesus like George Aguilar and Nick Garland are, and if you feel the need for forgiveness for something you've done, we want to help. Visit us at findpeacewithgod.net. That is findpeacewithgod.net. Church in a bar? George explains another part of his remarkable story in just a minute. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Sin is when you break the law of God. Billy Graham. Well, what's the law of God? The law of God is expressed by the Ten Commandments. The Bible says if you have broken one, One time, you've broken all ten of them. But the Bible also teaches that God is a God of love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. No matter who you are, what the color of your skin, whatever your ethnic background, whatever you've done, however bad or good you've been, God loves you. The scripture says, For Christ hath also suffered the sins, the just for the unjust. And God said, because of what he did on the cross, I can forgive you, and I can take you to heaven, and I can give you a whole new life here and now if you open your heart and let Jesus come in and reign in your life as Lord and Master and Savior. Would you like to know more about God's forgiveness and the whole new life he can give you? Well, visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Our guests on this episode of GPS are Nick Garland and George Aguilar. Nick forgave George for breaking into his church and then led George to Christ. Now, George is doing the very same thing in El Salvador, leading people to Christ, and he's doing it in an unlikely location. 
where I'm sitting right now used to be a bar. Uh, my mom used to, for almost 20 years had a bar where she sold, you know, alcohol. One day, all of a sudden, my mom gets up after something terrible had happened in this place, and she knew that I was preaching down the street in some rented space. She said to me, I'm, I am giving up this place. How about you build a church over here? So we started tearing up this place apart, and we started building over here. The church and friends were behind it, helping me. And uh, yes, I, I, I continue to preach the Word of God. Right now, George is considering a move to Colombia to begin a new church there, but COVID has altered his plans, and so he's asking for prayer for God to make a way for him to begin ministry in Colombia. We are so thankful that both he and Nick Garland shared their story with us. We also want to say thank you to Mercy Me for the use of some of their music in this episode. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. Thank you for listening to this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Whoa.